You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard. I'll be your host this week, Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. And today we've got a great show coming up with it with a great guest. But before we get to his, his brilliant guest, I might as well introduce his co-host first. And sadly, <laughs> no other this week. But as always, we've always got the GOAT, the Dynasty underscore GOAT, Kev. So how are you doing, mate? How's, how's your day been? Yeah, doing very well. Thank you. Had a, it's been a short week, hasn't it? We only recorded a couple of days ago. But um, yeah, we've got a cracking show lined up it's been it's been a lot of um a lot of focus this week on sort of the charity tournaments and stuff like that so just sifting through all that making sure that i'm paid up on everything and i've donated to everything and um looking forward to an interesting next month so in all the charity um events like scottish ball and uh, the ffc warrior ball um the uh G- JTT Cup as well. I, I make sure I don't miss anyone there's, out. But there's uh, that many caveats. It's hard to keep up, isn't it? I know they, it they've is. all been coming through. We're all getting excited. I want to start drafting. So yeah, it's been it's been quite a fun week, hasn't it? Getting getting prepared for all these yes. drafts that are coming up. It's obviously draft season, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get on with today's show, Kev, do you just want to let everyone know about the stream in front of us? That was a couple of months ago, and and the final results from it. Yes, yeah, so we've got final figure, and we'd set a. a target of 1500 for the charity stream of we did in may um which was significantly higher than his first year we did it and really pleased to announce that we've we've smashed that 117 percent of us of us target we finished up with raising 1759 pounds 33 pence for mine charity which is uh, a fantastic amount so i just want to give a big shout out to all the guests um anyone that donated anybody that retweeted and gave gave it traction and uh, I, I know us three that were, were, were hosting it but we're really proud of what we've achieved and um supporting mental health which is obviously a massive massive part of all of our lives now so um just thank you to everyone that got involved and yeah made us made us really proud yeah absolutely it was a lot of fun and it's obviously great that we've been able to to raise such a great amount for a great cause and as you say a big thank you to all the guests everyone that was jumping in the the chats everyone that's that's retweeted everything that we've put out obviously you've been putting them out as as podcasts as well kev so yeah just a big thank you to everyone that was that was involved in the day really and, and a fantastic result at the end of it but with that, I think we, we might as well get on with today's show. As I say, we've got a great guest coming up. He's the co-host of the Dynasty Rewind podcast, a writer and contributor at Big Guy Fantasy, and also the chairman of the Van Jefferson Fan Club. We give a warm wildcard welcome to Phil Simmons, a.k.a. Pork, a.k.a. FF Porkman on Twitter. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing great, man. I'm happy you guys uh, brought me on today. I know you had uh, Mike and Chev on um, for the streamathon. I know that was fun. Sorry, I couldn't make that one, but... Uh, I'm glad I, I, I was able to put some time aside for you guys. Uh, I know I see all this good stuff you guys are doing, so I had to give you a little bit of uh, the time that I have and, uh, <laughs> and hop on with you guys on this wonderful Sunday. Now we appreciate you giving us your, your time. And as we were talking before we start recording, it was a shame that we couldn't have you on stream fun, but instead it's it's better. We've got you all to ourselves now, Phil. We get to to get to dive into to, to a great topic today, and yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun. So with that on today's topic. We're going to be looking at the undervalued and the overvalued player um, as chosen by our brilliant guest, Phil, um, based upon the market data on Keep Trade Cut. So without further ado, we might as well crack straight on with the with the show. We're going to start with your undervalued quarterback, Phil. Who have you got? Um, today, I'm going to bring to you Matt Ryan. Um, mm-hmm. Just due to, I think, I think people are looking at his age too much at a certain point and seeing that he is 37 years old. Um, He's going to a new team with a whole lot of better weapons um, with his receivers wise. I know this, uh, we saw what happened with the Calvin Ridley situation where he bet and he won't be he won't be playing at all. But, you know, it seemed like the offense was in flux. The offensive line was a little jacked up. They didn't have a really consistent running game. Now he's going to the Indianapolis Colts with a, a Michael Pittman, who's going to be wide receiver one on that team. Um, he has an Alec Pierce, who I like, who's a rookie. He's probably going to be wide receiver, too. And hopefully, uh, for God's sakes, Paris Campbell can stay healthy <laughs> and play in the slot because he has all the talent in the world. But when it comes to his injury history, it just it just never comes about. 
But I think if he's able to play at least a 12 or 13 game season, I think that gives him a, a, a really good um, outlook on the season. So if you see the weapon that he has, and I didn't name one on purpose that he also has, which is a Jonathan Taylor, who he can throw him the ball out of the backfield. That's something that Matt Ryan hasn't had in a very long time. A, a really good running back out the backfield that can help him out with the passing game. Um, he can play on third down. He can block as well. And then, and, and if he's not on the field too, there's also a Naeem Hines who can ask really, really play really good on third downs. So with all these weapons and having Matt Ryan as, as the QB 28 on keep jerk cut, I, I kind of think it's disrespectful. Um, we're, we're starting to see quarterbacks play a lot longer. I'm not saying he's comparing himself to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's 40, 45 years old. This guy is Matt Ryan's 37 years old and he still has a whole lot left in the tank. Um, he throws for 4,000 yards every season. Um, he's going to give you at least 25 touchdowns or 25 between 25 and 30 touchdowns a season. Um, that's going to help you out. I know with fantasy, we, we're sometimes we're stuck too much on the um, rushing upside of things. But if you give somebody a pocket, like a, a Joe, Joe Burrow's not running you out the out the gym, but Joe Burrow's a good quarterback. Justin Herbert's a, a great quarterback. They're all pocket quarterbacks. So if we can, you know, get him out of the quarterback 28, um, I'd rather have Matt Ryan over uh, Davis Mills, Daniel Jones, who's right in front of him, which is supremely disrespectful, um, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill as well. Uh, I'm taking Matt Ryan over those guys. That's I'm not taking Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones – Thanks, in my opinion. I don't think he's good at all. <laughs> and he has one weapon, which is Kadarius Tony at this point. Uh, Kenny Galladay is, I don't, don't want to talk about him. He pissed me off. <laughs> yes. You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, the only I, one I, think, I think he's going to be good. He pissed a lot of people off. Like, with me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm fully on board with Matt Ryan as a value at QB 28. I've got him QB 23. Um, yeah, he is a vanilla QB, but you know exactly what you're getting from him when you're sort of looking in dynasty beyond sort of QB 15 there is often um doubts about job security but actually Matt Ryan he's someone that's moved teams um he's got a, a contract that's going to keep him secure for a couple of years but that's just with the calls I can see him playing for four or five years if he does end up moving to another team he's been a great QB his whole career um mm -hmm. I think he's the ideal QB free if you're going for one of these uh sophomore QBs as a QB2, like Trey Lance or Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. It just gives you that safety that if if they don't become what you expect, then you're still going to have a QB2 in Matt Ryan rather than gambling on someone that maybe got a higher ceiling in Daniel Jones, but actually the chance of him hitting that are very slim. So I love it at QB28. No, definitely. I think like you both said, really, he's just such a, a safe quarterback to have. I've just been briefly looking where I've been talking and he's only not been a QB one three, three times out of the last 12 years, I believe. So even still at his age, putting up those low end QB one numbers, high end QB two numbers. And if you can get him as, as that QB two, like touched upon at that at QB 28 value. Yeah, I think he's a definite value. I've got him 26 in a minute, just looking at my rankings. Maybe need to, to nudge him up a few spots after after what you guys have said. Um, yeah, it's just another one of those really solid, QB2s that you can have and just just makes you feel comfortable by itself. You don't need that upside all the time at your, at your QB2 spot. Sometimes you just need that safe quarterback yeah. and, so, and so, Matt Ryan's that. Steady. Yeah, yeah and, and absolutely. Me, I think he just hasn't he hasn't had a steady running back since the Devontae Freeman in the Super Bowl, which yeah. seems like eons ago. So I mean, if you you give him a, a guy like that, that can help him out. A running game will help you out immensely so yeah, yeah I, I think 20 28 to me it's this i think it's way too low yeah a good running back yeah it's going to take a lot of pressure off matt ryan in it which is which is going to be positive because like Pope said we know that he's a he's a great pocket passer so yeah great selection there at the quarterback position phil so we'll now move on to to your undervalued running back who have you got here uh i got miles sanders i know i'm probably fanboying a little bit <laughs> but i think I, I think last year was just a, a, an anomaly season yeah he, he had no touchdowns but i think you know it was a transition from an offense um nick sirianni run offense to where it seemed like he just wanted to throw the ball a lot and but then he, when he realized he needed to run the ball um that's when miles sanders you know things he just wasn't comfortable yet um he had a lot of fumbling issues 
Um, and then they started to do a platoon, so it was a lot of Boston Scott and Jordan Howard was there. So I think this year, when another year in the system, um, we all know he's a home run hitter. He's a good runner between the tackles, and he can catch the ball. I know his rookie year he had uh, over 50 catches. Um, last two years, I think he only had 26. But, again, I think it's just more of a, you know, it was ending an era and then it's beginning an era, um, trying to understand the offense and where he fits in and, and trying to stay healthy. So I think uh, Miles Sanders can give you a solid uh, running back two seasons. I'm not going to go crazy and say he's going to be a running back one. Um, I just need to see him have a little bit more of a um, more of a volume in that offense. And um, with Jalen Hurts also um, developing in that offense as well, um, we see how he can run. So we always try to target those running backs who have running quarterbacks as well um, because they open up holes um, on the offensive line. So. Um, we see how fast Miles Sanders is. Um, so I think at RB30, I think that's just based off of his no touchdowns having last year. So I think this year he better have more than zero. <laughs> <laughs> that was disrespectful. But I think he had six um, one year uh, where he he had played really, really well that year. So um, I, I, would, I would, you know, go for close to 1,000 yards and maybe at least um, six or seven touchdowns this year based off of what happened Um not based off of what happened last year, but based off of how he can uh, be integrated in the offense more and uh, and be trusted more by the uh, by the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, if, if Philly going to win the Super, which the world, then he's got to score more than zero touchdowns. Uh, I, can <laughs> I, see hope, the, I hope we do. Shoot, <laughs> I can see the Lombardi Trophy behind your park. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I, I need that. That's my <laughs> my fantasy for. I got a, I got a, I got a flaunt a little bit. That's my fancy football trophy. I'll just put it in the corner. I don't, get, I don't get too many, but when I get one, I get the trophy. <laughs> no, look, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like me as, a, as an Eagles fan. Obviously, we've only ever got one ship, so we've got to talk about it whenever we can. But oh, it, it really sucks me. With Miles Sanders, I always had him uh, really high, higher than Josh Jacobs. That was always a debate sort of early on in his career. I've got him slightly lower than 30 in my rankings, but it's it's that same tier for me. It's I think it's roundabout right. Um, I think his ceiling is pretty pretty decent, actually. Um, it was disappointing how he was used in that first year under Sirianni, the fact that it was a like a freeway backfield. And I know I know Sanders has got the talent to to be a, a cracking running back in time. So my concerns with him is does he play a bit part role again this year? If he's uh, going to move in free agency, where does he go? Um, he's coming, if you think of the rookie class coming in next year, running back, it's super strong. So if you could guarantee me there's a commitment to Miles Sanders in Philly getting 60% of the work, I'd be all in at running back 30 because I think it's a cracking value. But it's just that concern of was last year him getting integrated or is it the plan to rotate free running backs, which which would be a shame because I think he has got that potential. I mean, we talk about running backs on uh, sort of teams where the QBs are Russia. If he had a J.K. Dobbins type season and got a bit of touchdown luck, J.K. Dobbins is in his range of outcomes if everything fell right for him. Yeah, no, we've seen the upside, haven't we? In his, in his rookie season, finishing RB14, we know the potentials there. You, you see flashes of it every now and again. It's, it's just a shame, like you say, Kev, that he's... He's been used in in that running back by committee really these last couple of couple of seasons, but we know that the talent's there. We, we, we've seen it. We've seen the upside. So, yeah, if he can get a little bit more of a, a stronger workload, if he can take over, be the 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 one A in this backfield. Even if it is a a split backfield, if he, if he can at least be the lead back in this in this offense and and like put touched upon, people sometimes think that having a rushing quarterback's a bad thing. They're gonna steal these goal line carries, get these get these rushing touchdowns. But like Pork said, it opens up those lanes. It's, it's the reason why I love J.K. Dobbins as well. It's it, it just creates a lot of opportunities for, for these running backs. That what you lose out on touchdowns, you you tend to find you gain a lot more in terms of of how they can run the ball for the rest of the game. So um, now I absolutely love Miles Sanders, the, the upside's there. And at RB30, I think, to be honest, I've got him 27, so I'm not a million miles away from where he's currently ranked, but I fully agree that the upside is is right up there with the best of them that you can get a, a, around that RB30 range. So, yeah, another really solid selection. Phil, I mean, kind of a hope of pick you and Kev. I feel like I've been <laughs> double-teamed here by, by the Philly gang, so um, can't say too many bad things about Miles Sanders. But No, no, that's not good. I can't make it over <laughs> to you anyway. I'm too far away. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, a, a great selection at running back, and we might as well now move on to, to the wide receiver. So, who have you got here, Phil? 
I have Mike Evans only because he's undervalued every year. And my yeah. I didn't put it in the in the show sheet, but the other undervalued has to be Brandon Cooks because he's undervalued every year. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, elaborate on that too much, but Brandon Cooks is undervalued every year. So if you can get him, just try to get him whatever you can. Um, but Mike Evans, he gets you a thousand yards every year. What don't you like about the guy? He still has Tom <laughs> Brady. It's, it's 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 confusing to me. I, I think I think people um are enamored with age in, in this case. Um, but he's only twenty eight. Receivers last a long time, and with a guy like Mike Evans giving you a, a thousand yards every single year of his career, he gives you twelve touchdowns. What four times out of his uh out of his career, and he's been playing at a high clip. Every single year, and the other other two years, he had eight, eight, eight and eight, and then he had a five and a three touchdown season. But after all those seasons, he still had a thousand yards, and he gets you the receptions. I think people are still enamored with how good Chris Godwin is, which he's really good too. But with Mike Evans at at wide receiver twenty two, there's a whole bunch of guys that again I'm going to take ahead of him. Like I know. Um, a Traylon Burks, he's a rookie, but he's also having issues with him getting on the field and practice already. I'm not taking a Traylon Burks over Mike Evans in any draft for me personally. And there's another guy that we'll talk about later who's looks like he's eons ahead of him, who's also a rookie that I'm not taking uh, him over Mike Evans. So um, he's giving you constant production every year. And I'm not really sure what more he has to do. Um <laughs> for fantasy uh fantasy players to to not see that that he's not going to give you a quality season year after year. Now I understand sometimes um I think with maybe like a year or two he's not giving you consistent uh week to week production but he's he's still going to give you some sort of production that to have him on my team and have over some of the guys that's ahead of him in these in these rankings on keep trade cut for me personally. Yeah, you've smashed it with Mike Evans. I've got him 17, uh, keep trade cuts going 22. So uh, I'm, I'm above on him. I think he's he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. He's the alpha in a Tom Brady offense. He's Tom Brady's probably going to throw 40, 45 touchdowns. Even if he's at 20, 25%, that's 8 to 12, 8 to 10 as his floor. So um, yeah, love Mike Evans. There's, there's not, there is that boom bust side to it, but. As a back-end wide receiver too, you've you've got to have some ceiling in your wide receiver one on your team. Or if you if you fade wide receiver early in your drafts and he is your wide receiver one, you're still really happy because he's giving you boom weeks and you're not going to win ships by just getting 10, 12 points a week. You've got to have them boom weeks as well. So I think he's, he's an ideal guy to, to go after. I think he can get a nice... Personally, I think wide receiver 22, I don't feel that in my leagues. I think that people do seem to be lower on him because of... Uh, his age, but uh, yeah, we just got to go with what what the market says. Wide receiver twenty two is a great value in my eyes. So um, yeah, it's it's also funny that Ali's not here because he's the <laughs> he's a massive books fan, and we, we get to gush about a books player, and he's not here. So uh, yeah, make sure you wear some sun cream next time, Ali. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely go to days. He's missed out talking about Mike Evans, but no, fully agree. Like you said, Kevin, can be a bit boom bust, but then again, like Phil says, he's he's just constantly putting up those low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two numbers. So the fact that you can get him wide receiver 22, which is a, a late wide receiver two, you might be able to pick him up as your, as your wide receiver three, then absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. person to, to select. My only one concern that I do have with Mike Evans is, is Tom Brady. The fact it seems every year we've seen, see this the last year with, with Tom Brady. And I do just worry that when Tom goes, what happens to, to this book book's offense and mm-hmm. in turn, what happens to Mike Evans? But based on what we've seen, I mean, the guy's just, just so reliable in terms of fantasy production. And then, um, yeah, just just a really solid wide receiver to have. Basically, I, I don't think you can pick too many too many faults in him. Um, just be a little bit nice if it wasn't so boom bust. But just looking into to next year as well, the fact that Godwin's obviously coming off that injury, I feel like Mike Evans is going to get a lot of opportunities to to start the year at least. So, um, just looking at it from a, a redraft perspective, a, a win now perspective, um, I don't think you can get a better wide receiver than than a Mike Evans at wide receiver twenty two. 
Um, so yeah, another another great pick, Phil. You've you've got three out of three so far. So I mean, I've just seen who the tight is. So this this is where it could start getting shaky for. So do you, do you want to let everyone know who you, who your tight end selection is? All right. So uh, this one might be a little bit controversial. I don't know if I hit four for four, but um, for me, it's Bob Tyen from the Green Bay Packers. Um, I know last year he freaking stunk. And it kind of hurt a lot of people who were trying to get tight ends late in drafts. But um, in 2020, he did have 52 receptions for 586 yards and 11 touchdowns um, and 11.3 yards per catch. Now, last year, um, I understand he did get injured. Um, He only played in eight games. But when he did play in those eight games, his average per catch was still 11.3. And he had uh, 18 receptions for 204 yards. So the way I'm looking at it is that he was kind of on the same clip for the yardage and the receptions perspective of what he was doing during his good years. But he didn't get, you know, the touchdown clip because he did miss those eight games. Now, there's no Devontae Adams, obviously, which is missing, I don't know, 450 targets a season. <laughs> so, you know, plus or minus. But he he's gone. Um, Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantlin is gone. Um, you bring in a rookie Christian Watson, um, and you have um, a second year Amari Rogers, and uh, ooh Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Do I do I really do I really want to trust Sammy Watkins at this point? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Every year, oh Sammy Watkins is going to hit. He had that one year in Buffalo. And then oh, I don't know, like his talent got taken away, like Space Jam. Like he, he's just not—he's not that good anymore. Um, so I, I think he's going to rely on a—he's going at this point. I think he's going to rely on a lot of Aaron Jones, um, somebody he's more familiar with, and and a, a ton of Robert Tyen if he can stay healthy. So I think him at, at tight end twenty-five. I'd rather have him than an Evan Ingram. I'd rather have him than a a Tyler Higby for sure. Because uh, I'm definitely not a Tyler Higby fan, um, and then and a, another guy that we talk about later as well. <laughs> um, so nice. yeah, I, I, give me give me a, a Robert Tyne with with an Aaron Rodgers all day, and if he can if he can get on that same not the same clip because eleven touchdowns is a lot, but if you give me like an eight or eight or seven touchdown season with five hundred six hundred yards, he's going to be a tight end one. We we see how the tight end landscape and fantasy happens. You you really don't have to do that much, but if you can get those select few late and and load up on your receivers and your running backs and drafts, I think a, a, a tight end four they have from here now. That's that's kind of disrespectful for me. Or oh, tight end three. I'm sorry, it's just kind of disrespectful to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm finding it hard to argue for like the tight end twenty five because like after the first. I don't know, five or six, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, whatever. But yeah. um but like with, with Tonyan, I guess yeah, Aaron Rodgers, you've got touchdown upside. If he can if he can get eight, we'll say out rather than eleven, then he's he's gonna put himself at a chance of the tight end one because it is a mess. Uh, you'd have to do a, a lot to get into that top twelve. Um yeah, I have got him below tight end twenty five, but I'll be honest, like in my rankings, I don't put too much thought into my tight end twenties. It's kind of like, yeah, we'll just, yeah, he sounds good. We'll play I, him I don't, section. I don't either, Kev. <laughs> like at the point you get to like twelve, and it's like, yeah, just, just play Russian roulette with the names and <laughs> just pick him. <laughs> but yeah, I think would I be shocked if he was a, a low end tight end one? Probably not. But again, I'm probably not going to be caping up and taking taking him at tight end twenty five. It's just one of those where. I tend to go tight end early, and then if not, maybe take a dart on on a younger guy, or maybe someone that would come on to later on. <laughs> maybe. No, but I think my view on on Tony a little bit like you said, really, we're at that range, aren't we, in tight ends where it's just basically a pick them. You can you can take a dart throw at any of these guys, and you don't really know what's going to happen. But I think with someone like Tony, we could maybe see some kind of Dawson Knox. What he did last year, obviously, with the the touchdowns, didn't really have too much in terms of, of the reception and receiving yards, but using the red zone. I mean, the only guy really that they've got is Alan Lazard now that you'd, you'd say could be a, a target in, in the red zone. So I feel yeah, like Tunyon, sure. 
Yeah, so I feel like Tunyon could be the one that that takes that step forward and and be and, and to be that red zone target. So with that, as I say, he could maybe have that Dawson Knox kind of season. So um, while I do love it for in terms of that, I think long term, I'm I'm not too excited by him. As I say, we, we've yet to really see him put together a really solid year. Obviously, that that big season he has it. A lot of it was down to, to the touchdowns, a little bit like Dawson Knox again last year. So, um, well, I'm not super excited by it. As I say, I think in this range. Um, where you're picking these tight ends, it's kind of just a, a pick them and I mean, Tunyon's someone that can get you those touchdowns. So, who knows? Maybe cooking it, even just if it increases his value off a, off a solid season this year, you can you can easily move on from a little bit like again with, with what you can do with Dawson Knox. I bet you love that Igby slander, didn't you, Matt? Oh, I, I absolutely. <laughs> I, had to, I had to try and re- restrain myself from, from jumping in and, and saying, Can we talk a little bit about Tyler Higby and how terrible he is? So, I love myself some <laughs> Dawson Knox, by the way. That was, that was my uh. That was my swan song when he started doing good. I was insufferable when he started scoring. I remember he was, he was my late dart throw in the Scott Fish Bowl last year as well. I mean, the rest mm-hmm. of my roster was absolutely terrible, but <laughs> I managed to pick out Dawson Knox. So I feel good about that at least. <laughs> um, but no, brilliant. I think we can say three and a half. Can we say that Kev there that he got? Yeah, I think we're well, kind of really good effort. Fans, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's um, Philly in it, so we'll, we'll, we'll give him four. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but now we're going to go on to onto the overvalued guys, oh, and yeah. I think there could be maybe a couple in here, Phil, that we, we might disagree on. So we're going to kick things off, obviously, at the quarterback position. Who's your overvalued quarterback? Um, oh boy. So uh, my overall quarterback is uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I know he isn't the most uh, like quarterback, but I think in fantasy purposes, I think after he's seen that he's gotten. Um, a new innovative coach that we, we're not really sure how good he'll be yet. Um, got Tyreek Hill. He got Jalen Waddle on the team already. But the thing that I've been having the issue with Tua from college is that he just said, all I see is drop back, one read and throw. I haven't technically really seen him drop back, make a good throw after looking at all of his options in the field. Um, and I've, I've seen a terrible interception last year. I saw it on Twitter, I think, a couple days ago. He just literally threw it to the defender with no other uh, offensive player around him. Um, so I think for me, too, is overvalued. Um, just due to his age, I think they see that he's young. There is some type of potential there um, because we've seen some stuff in Alabama. But Alabama was just full of – Alabama was an NFL team. They gave him – the best route runners they gave him the best speed players and they just said throw slants and go and that's all i've seen and i haven't seen anything in the nfl for me otherwise to put him in a high-end quarterback too for me so there's there's some quarterbacks that i I, well i'm not going to say matt ryan because i love matt ryan Uh, i just don't know how long he's going to be playing but it's just I, I would rather have Aaron Rodgers, to be honest with you. We have Aaron Rodgers at QB 18 and and uh, to, uh, Tua dropped down to 16. But I'd rather have an Aaron Rodgers, a Kirk Cousins for sure. For me, those two, for me, uh, jump out on the board for me as somebody that's more consistent week to week. And the stuff that I've seen them do um, in prior seasons to show that I don't think Tua – is going to finish higher than those two quarterbacks in particular. Yeah, I I love to in college. You're my QB one. Um, not not afraid to say that. I had him above Herbert and Burrow, so that looks a bit daft now. But never mind. I had I had Burrow one, Herbert two. And oh, I look at this! Oh, look, at the look at this! Herbert two. Look at this little humble pack. I, yeah, I, I had I had her. No, but I had Hurts three and then two or four, and people was looking at me like I was a goofball. I was like, oh, well. I really don't like him, but mm-hmm. Hurts isn't the best right now. I hope he is. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I'll let you finish, Kev. I'm sorry. Oh, it's good. I think we, when I was watching Tua in college, I thought, like, obviously, the sporting cast was amazing, but I I felt he had shades of Drew Brees, and Drew Brees really shone when he had a, an elite offensive line in front of him. That's really when he sort of stood out for, for New Orleans because he was a short QB, and uh, such an accurate guy in the short and intermediate. And I think there is potential that Tua's going to have a lot better offensive line. Terran Armstead came over from the Saints. 
Uh, the weapons are there in place now with, with Tyreek Hill, so it's, it is really make or break time for Tua. <laughs> Maybe this this one read and throw it, it is to do with how much pressure was feeling, but yeah, I'm, I agree with you. He is overvalued at QB 15. I think from a real-life point of view, I'm still confident, but for Dynasty, I'm, caught, I'm sort of out on him. I have got a little bit of exposure just in case he does hit and uh, it'll give a window to move off in the future, but I just think... With the Konami QB era, Tua's not really shown that. He has scored a few touchdowns on the ground since he's come back. But, yeah, will he ever be a QB one consistently? I personally can't see it. So I have to sell sell off the hype of QB 15. Um, and, yeah, I, I completely agree. Aaron Rodgers going behind him is insane. Yeah, I'm a little bit like yourself, Kev. Obviously, I was, I was right there with you having him as my QB one in in that class and looking back it doesn't look great and I just find it really tough with Tua because when you just look back over the the two seasons that he last played I feel like as a rookie he was kind of thrown in the deep end weren't he that year obviously it was when Fitzpatrick had that well he was struggling I think did even have an injury and then Tua was kind of just thrown in in, in a tough stretch of games and didn't really get the, the easiest of introductions to the NFL and then last year just look at the weapons that he has basically had nobody did last year to to throw to obviously Waddle being there was a, a huge relief from him and, and we saw how much he relied on on that connection that obviously they built together in in college so I still feel like there might be something that we've yet to see from Tua and the fact now, obviously, that they seem to be going all in, giving him all the weapons that, that he needs. And this does feel like that kind of make or break year. We've seen the rumours that they were they were linked to, to guys like Deshaun Watson looking at other quarterbacks. So there's definitely warning signs there when it comes to Tua and that's something you've got to got to bear in mind in terms of dynasty and then like you both said what is actually the, the upside with Tua we need to we need to hope that these weapons produce for him because he's not one of these um Konami code quarterbacks that can put up the huge rushing numbers and as you said Kev there's there's lots of young quarterbacks coming into the league that can that can give you that that elite level of, of upside in fantasy so um yeah well it is tough well, I do like to I do want him to, to succeed there's definitely some warning signs that we, we've seen already and this does kind of feel like that that make or break season for Tua and I feel like he's really got to take a step forward but fully agree with what you said Phil I feel like that QB 15 is definitely guys that are going later than him in, in on keep trade court that that I take over to that feel much safer they've they've shown it year after year it's kind of wishful thinking with Tua hoping that it can it can be th- something whereas there's those quarterbacks behind him that, that we already know what they've got. So um yeah, I think I think we're we're with you on on the quarterback pick. Kev, have you got have you got something else to say there? Yeah, I was just gonna say it's crazy how like Tua and Jalen Hurts they seem to have like been on this same pathway almost mm-hmm. almost identical. They're both at Alabama, they both came out as prospects with question marks, obviously injury with um Tua and the uh, obviously Hurts fell to round two and then uh, you look at where they are now, they're both both still got questions about the future, but do the teams that they're on believe in them long term? Yeah. But you, you get you've got Jalen Hurts, who's probably well, he's he's definitely got a higher upside than Tua. Mm-hmm. They're both probably 50-50 to have the the job with the current team. So yeah, I'd be having Hurts over Tua, uh, which it does pay me to say because I'm a huge Tua fan and not a huge Hurts fan and. I know. Uh, I know your co-host uh, Mikey's also oh, not a huge to it. Uh, huge so intolerable fan. sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, you don't have to say it every time. But... No, no. I, no I, I understand. I understand the uh, not to get off topic, but I, I understand why he doesn't like Hurts right now. But I think sometimes some quarterbacks need more help with development. Um, just give him like a one more year. If he doesn't have it this year, then you can move on because you got the first round pick that you can take a, a high end uh, quarterback in this nice 2023 class. But give him a shot. I mean, you you go from he got thrown into the fire with Doug, and then he learned a new system with Sirianni. Give him a second year in the offense. You know, let him work on his mechanics, and I, I think I think he can do something. And he got weapons now. Some Carson never had. Carson never had weapons. Now Jalen got some weapons. Let's see what he does with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders. The aforementioned Miles Sanders. Like <laughs> these are guys now. Let's, let's let's see what he can do. 
Love that. I love how we're talking about two and the two eagle fans managed to, to turn their attentions <laughs> towards towards yeah, it just happens. <laughs> this is unnatural. That was my fault. Love it. <laughs> love it. So before before you to get too carried away and, and start reeling off every Eagles player and how great they're gonna be for, for fantasy. <laughs> we'll we'll move on to your overrated running back, Phil. Who have you got? Uh overvalue for me, I, I think it's just a slam dunk for me personally, is Travis Etienne. Um, we haven't seen anything uh, totally yet from him because he had the injury. But I think that's a red flag, too. He did have that big injury uh, last year that kept him out for the whole season. I think it was a list, Frank. And I felt bad for the guy. But at, at the end of the day, he's he's coming back this year. Apparently, he's healthy. Um, and I've heard some news last week that James Robinson is coming back a little bit earlier than expected as well. Um, as a pure running back, I think they should have a James Robinson back there um, more than a Travis Etienne. I know people were totally enamored with his with his speed, his straight line speed. Um, but the thing that I saw in college that bothered me a little bit is that that's all he had was straight line speed. I didn't see any um, secondary moves in the in the secondary part of the uh, of the field once he goes past the linebackers. So I, I think that will become an issue, but, you know, we can cross that bridge at that time. Um, the, the part that I see that he's overvalued at is that he's ahead of J.K. Dobbins, who he has at RB12. And Travis Etienne is RB9 on here right now. That's – I don't – I know they both come back from injuries, but J.K. Dobbins is a lot better than a Travis Etienne. I'll take a, a new uh, a Saquon Barkley at this point because Saquon Barkley is another value. He's undervalued, in my opinion, at an RB13. Crazy. It's a new offense. Yeah. It's Doug Peterson going there. This is his first year implementing this offense with a Trevor Lawrence. But they have no receivers, so they're probably going to have to run the ball at this point. And I don't think Travis Etienne is going to give you an RB8 season with a James Robinson there because at that point it's going to be a committee. And I don't know if anybody want to, you know, make a bet with this, but James Robinson is going to have a better year than Travis Etienne if they're oh. both healthy. James Robinson is, a, is a quality running back. <laughs> he's, a, he's a quality running back, and he keeps getting disrespected because he was undrafted. But the guy ran for 1,000 yards in his rookie year when nobody expected him and he got he had to deal with urban meyer's dumb self <laughs> curse on here i don't want to do that but he's an idiot he's over playing carlos hyde over him james robinson is a good freaking running back so if he's healthy i think he's going to be the first and second down and then they might put travis Etienne in the third down back or they would probably put Travis Etienne as a as a slot receiver, as they talked about last year, because they want to catch him. They want to get this guy in space. Um, but I don't think that makes him an RB1 on the season, especially over a J.K. Dobbins, who's probably going to be healthy at the beginning of the season. I, I don't see that. Or a Saquon Barkley, who's um, going to trust his knee 100% now. So I, I think that's I think that's egregious. I think that's just a name thing for, for me personally. And uh, – yeah, I, I, me personally, I, I cannot do that at all. I mean, when I first saw the name Travis Etienne on here, I was, I was a bit pumped up. Actually, I was like, bloody hell, <laughs> Travis Etienne! I really like, I like the guy. Um, <laughs> early on in the off season, back in January, I think I said um, he would be someone that I can see his value rising a hell of a lot. But I didn't think it'd rise this fast. Um, I think RB eight is overvalued. Um, when he was running back 16, 17. I was comfortably above consensus because I, I like the fact that he's got a familiarity with Lawrence. Um, that Doug Peterson did a great job in Philly with with the O line mm -hmm. in particular. So um, I, I think there's a lot of upside there, but there is a lot of risk, especially with the injury. With how the offense performed last season, is it going to be a quick turnaround? Probably not. But yeah, running back eight, it's yeah too, too much for me, unfortunately. Again, but. Yeah, you've you've nailed it. Just not just not over the eight JK Dobbins for me. I, I don't I, I don't see yeah, it as, I, like, as much with Dobbins. I'm a I'm a JK Dobbins uh lover. I'm an Ohio State <laughs> fan as well. And I, I know how good he was. And if he comes back hundred percent, uh he's nah, that's disrespectful. I would I would swap the two. Me personally, and probably have ETN a little bit lower. 
That's how right. much I just don't. I just I think it was just the ETN love that I saw on Twitter that made me not like him <laughs> even more. Yeah. Once I was getting overhyped, you play the other side. That's it. Yes, yeah. I'll play definitely play the other side. Do it. Draft him. Like well, I'm not touching him. Not to be honest, Kevin, I was a bit like yourself when I saw that Phil put Travis Eaton. I was like, no, I'm not having this. I can't talk bad about Travis Eaton because, like yourself, I, I love the potential upside there. We, we know the, the connection that he's got with Trevor Lawrence, obviously, at, at Clemson. We know the upside in terms of, of what you can do in, in the receiving game. So if you're playing those, those PPR leagues, I feel like there's definite upside there with, with ETM. But like you said, Kevin, the fact that he's RBA, RB9, can't keep Jake up, that is, that is overvalued, I think. Like you said, when he was around that RB16, RB15, I was more than happy to, to jump on him at, at that price. But now it just seems that the hype is is building and building. And it's crazy to think that he's, he's come in as a rookie, missed his entire rookie season. And I think his value's gone up somehow. He's managed yeah. to, to somehow gain value yeah. in, in a year. So it's it's absolutely crazy. We've yet to even see him on the field. So while while we know that, well, we like to think that there's some upside there with, with ETN, it's still all guesswork at the minute. We've yet to actually see him play a snap in the NFL. So at that price, RB8, RB9, that does feel too rich for me. So I hate to admit it, Phil, but I think you, you've nailed that one, even though I absolutely love Travis Etienne, I feel is a, is a little bit overvalued right now. But we'll now move on to, on to your wide receiver who you think is currently overvalued as well. Um, currently, I believe uh, Drake London is supremely overvalued. Um, to have him one spot under Devontae Adams and one spot over Tyreek Hill, <laughs> And four spots over a DJ Moore for for a wide receiver who's going to purgatory because they freaking stink right now. They don't have anybody. They have literally no really good running back other than like a Cordero Patterson or they got somebody. Um, Tyler Algier, which again, nobody. Sorry, Tyler, but. Um, <laughs> But, you know, they, they also have uh, a new quarterback in the offense. I know he's run the offense before and, and Marcus Mariota with, with the new head coach, but I don't really – he was a backup for a reason. Uh, we saw him come in for Derek Carr a couple times. He looked good the one game, and then he tried to slide and tore his ACL. Like, I don't – he didn't – he didn't – he's getting older, and he's not giving what – I think people think Drake London is because he was the first quarterback taken in the draft. Um, I just, I just don't understand um, why going so high for that for him. So uh, it's just, I think it's just Atlanta. I don't see them. I know they're going to be behind a lot, but then again, you know, I think the junior year in USC, um, Drake London, he did do anything for me, like take the pop or anything. Um, there was lack of separation. He just didn't look too good for me. The senior year, the, the next year he played, he played really, really well. Um, he showed he showed a little bit more separation in his routes, showed a little bit more burst, but then he hurt his ankle. Um, and I think that kind of, that hurt that for me because I, I didn't think he was going to be able to come back. He did come back. But um, I think dealing with the Mariota, dealing with the Desmond Ritter, um, because I'm not really the biggest Desmond Ritter fan. He's, he was just supremely inaccurate in college, and me personally. Um, so if you have an inaccurate, two inaccurate quarterbacks throwing you the ball, I don't think that's going to get you to a, a high-end uh, wide receiver too. And he's a, he's a young guy. I understand that's why he's higher. But over, over DJ Moore, who's 25, uh, I know Dirk London's 20, so he must have came out when he was a junior. So his sophomore year, I didn't like. But his junior year, I like. Um, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Michael Pittman, Tyreek Hill, uh, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin? No. There's no <laughs> no possible way for me. No. I, I, I Yeah. It's, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm pooping on him because I, I like the prospect. I love the prospect. But as as a wide receiver, fifteen, he has to be a wide receiver, a wide receiver uh, three for me, like maybe the twenty four, twenty five range over the supreme talent that we see. Um, I think people are also trying to base it off of value, volume that he's going to have because they're losing. But can they get him the ball? I'm not. I'm not really sure. It's just the, it's the Mariota and Ritter thing. And and uh, Cordero Patterson, who's a running back, wide receiver, tight end, linebacker, safety, 
He's, he's everything <laughs> for that team. <laughs> yeah, to, to be honest, like who, who's going to get him the ball? He's, a, he's an absolute terrible fit with Mariota and Rida. They they need guys open to throw rather than someone who wins late on the route like Drake London. So I think they're a terrible fit for him, which means he's probably going to have a poor rookie season in my eyes. Um, yeah, he might get some volume, but 120 targets from Mariota and Rida is probably about 80 targets from a normal QB. So... Um, and there's also also got that um, up and coming tight end wide receiver over in in Atlanta. I'm not sure if you've heard of Kyle Pitts, um, <laughs> tight end yes. dynasty. So um, I love this. I love fading Bucky wide receivers in this class in startups, especially at that price. Wide receiver 15, absolutely crazy for me. I think there is potential there, but give me the proven guys. Give me Mike Evans. Um, give me plenty of other guys you mentioned over Drake London. Burks and Wilson. I think you can clump them all together and say they are all going too early in in, uh, in startups in my eyes. Yeah, no, I think I'm a little bit like what, what Phil said, really. If, even if you absolutely love Drake London as a prospect, you're kind of just taking a punt that he's going to get all this value and, and that's going to give him that, that wide receiver 15 value because otherwise it's just a crazy high value to have him at wide receiver 15. I mean, the, the guys that, that Port just listed off, guys like Devontae Adams, DJ Moore going late, and these are all guys that have, have produced year after year in the NFL and you want to take a chance on a rookie that's going to be playing with, with basically two backup quarterbacks don't even have a, a solid quarterback to, to start the year. And then obviously there's, there's Kyle Pitts over there who's going to be taking some of those targets away. So even though he's going to be seeing targets, how accurate are the targets going to be? And then the fact that, that Pitts is there as well. I just feel like there's, it's going to be really hard for Drake London to, to keep that wide receiver 15 value um, this time next year. Um, and, and as I say, I feel like you're just taking a punt that he's going to see such a, an incredible amount of volume that he's, he's going to be able to put up solid numbers and and for me that just feels far too risky i'd rather take the the proven wide receiver a guy like dj Moore, like you said phil that's 25 years old there's still six seven eight years of, of production out of somebody like dj Moore. so why take the chance mm-hmm. on it on an unproven guy when you can have somebody that that's proven and and puts up the year after year so fully agree with you that the, the price that that drake london's at is is definitely overvalued so yeah, another one that you, you've nailed there, Phil, and we're going to move on to the last position, the, the tight end position. And, and this one, I know for a fact from one of us, you're going to get a bit of knockback, but who's your overvalued tight end? <laughs> overvalued tight end is David Njoku. Um, it's just something that I think I'm just tired of waiting. And it's just been it's been one of those things where he's been in the league for five years, and <clears throat> we've seen – nothing some some seasons we've seen something and it's just i'm just over it and then now there's no um there's probably going to be no deshaun watson for maybe the full year maybe the half year lord knows what what they're decided doing i think there's some something discussed this week but um when it comes to david and joko he's going to have jacoby Brissett. uh am i going to I'm going to trust Jacoby Brissett to get the ball to where it needs to go for half the season. Probably not. I, I, I like him as a, you know, he's a, he's a backup quarterback. He's solid. He he gets the job done, but the, am I, am I going to want to take him as, as a tight end 17 um, on the team? Probably not. Um, the guy's a supreme talent. I just don't know what he can't, what he can do to put it together. I know he's got a big contract. He got his money, which is confusing as crap to me because I thought they were going to trade him. I thought they were going to cut him. And then they give him a long-term deal. So w- when it comes to when it comes to him, when it's value per se, uh, I know uh, Zach Ertz is six years older than him, but I think I'd rather have a Zach Ertz over a David and Joko or even – the Robert Tyan, I know that sounds wild to, to other people. <laughs> um, Crazy. And or even, I know, this one, I'm not even going to say that name. But, uh, I, I'm <laughs> say gonna, it. I'll say it. I'll say it, but it's it's not really, I don't think, I think it's going to be close. But I, I love a Gerald Everett, me personally. I think going to the Chargers, um, there's no Jared Cook. And we saw what Jared Cook did with a, um, with a, with a good uh, Justin Herbert. And I think he just fits right in that spot. But I think David and Joku, I'm just tired of, of waiting what he's going to see. It was a six-year breakout at tight end. Usually at the third year, he's taking way too long to uh, to give me week-to-week uh, starts that 
um, that I'm looking for in a tight end position because I need some type of consistency um, in that in that type of position for me. And I, I just I'm just tired of waiting. I, I know he's talented, but for some reason the quarterbacks aren't well. We didn't sell Baker said he wasn't really that accurate because OBJ just left and won the Super Bowl. But uh, Njoku to me is just somebody that I I think I'm just I've got Njoku fatigue, and I know he's good. I just I don't I don't want to draft him anymore on my fantasy teams. <laughs> I can understand it because he he flashed it early young. Uh, he was a top top eight top nine. Tight end, even yeah. second or third in the league, and like I thought, said, wow, he he's... has he has top five tight end talent, but the floor is too low for me to even to even think about putting him on my team. Like maybe a bench <laughs> spot, but I, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be happy to start him from week to week. Maybe a bye week start or an injury, but I, I it's just I'm, I'm tired of waiting, and I, I don't if I haven't seen it in the past four years. Because I give him a tight end maybe about three years to we can see what he can do. But if you don't do it in that three, four years, I'll just let you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan unless you, you didn't notice. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I've got him ranked to the tight end one in Dynasty. I've got him my tight end 11, just purely on upside the fact that after the first six or seven, it is a bit of guesswork. I like the contract, um, following the money. The offense is pretty terrible, but... Just following the money, I'm following the, the talent, the speed, the athleticism. Hopefully, there's some volume there. Um, he's fighting Cooper and David Bell, who are decent guys. But, but yeah, it, it was just strange, the fact that it looked like he's on his way out and then they give him this huge contract. Uh, his yards per hour went up, actually, last season, which was um, nice to see. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just going for upside on Njoku. I've, I've got a... David and Joku stomach tattoo. So um, yeah, I'm just hoping <laughs> it finally breaks out. Second yeah, think, time breakout, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like we said earlier. When it really, when you get to this range of tight ends, it's it's kind of just a dart throw. And I mean, David and Joku, I feel like the upside there is one of the most athletic tight ends in, in the entire NFL. So um, I feel like if you are just going to take a punt, why not take a punt on a guy that that could have that that huge upside if everything falls right. But a little bit like Phil said, we've been waiting and waiting and, and we've yet to see it. So I feel like it kind of needs to happen soon. Or I think we're all going to get like Phil, we're all going to get a little bit a little bit fed up of waiting on, on David and Joe Q. But no, fully appreciate it. I think Kev, Kev maybe didn't agree with it, but I think Titan 17, I'd probably say that's kind of fair where it is, but it's such a mess at the Titan position. It's it's too hard to, to say really, but... Absolutely love that. And with that, now we're going to move on to, to the wildcard section. So this is where we're going to get as guests to pick pick one player that they believe will be their fantasy wildcard. So a guy that's going to improve their, their dynasty value the most in 2022. So, Phil, who's your who's your wildcard selection? Wildcards. It's for me, I've been talking about him all offseason. Um, once he left the Ravens and went to Arizona, um, he gets to play with his best friend, as he says, Kyle Murray. It's Hollywood Brown. Um I think Hollywood Brown is going to have um, a type of season to where uh, he's going to push for a wide receiver one type of year. Um, I think when he was with Baltimore, I think he started getting, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Irritated. Um, because it's just a run first offense. He, I think when I think with, with a guy like him, if he's looking forward to the ball, he will catch the ball majority of the time. But if you run in the ball constantly with Lamar Jackson and the other running backs and you're just running aimlessly down the field and not getting, you know, what you're totally looking for when you got drafted, you kind of get tired of just not doing nothing. You get disinterested. That's where I'm looking for in the offense. Um, he goes to Arizona. There's no uh, DeAndre Hopkins for a little bit due to the, um, due to the suspension. And, I, th- I think him and Kyler already are clicking in the offseason. You know they clicked in college. They look they look great. And I think when, when Hopkins comes back, I think to me personally, I think it's going to be more of a passing the torch type of thing. Um, Hopkins is getting a little bit longer in the tooth. Um, he's starting to get like little nagging injuries. And with Hollywood Brown and Kyler, hey, you throw the ball deep, he's going to get open. He got the speed. He has the route running. He, throw, he can uh, route running that short and intermediate. He's good at that as well. He catch the ball and go. Um, I think with him, with that offense, he can push for, like I said, a, a wide receiver one type of season and 
uh, while everybody's looking at him as like a um probably like a low end to mid wide receiver too on a regular season with he had a whole bunch of targets last year but they really wasn't efficient targets uh, with the Lamar Jackson who can be accurate at times sometimes he is sometimes he isn't Kyle Murray is an accurate short quarterback who can get the ball to him and if he can get that consistency week to week um I totally I totally love it um and even when, if DeAndre Hopkins comes back healthy and he plays really really well you have to leave one of them open which one are you throwing the ball to? Mm-hmm. It's like pick your poison. Hollywood Brown with one-on-one coverage with the DeAndre Hopkins on one side. You have Zach Ertz and you have James Conner in the backfield. You're probably going to double-team DeAndre Hopkins because he's going to cook you on 50-50 balls. Or if you, you throw the ball to Hollywood Brown, he's going to burn you for 75, 80-yard touchdowns. I think they're going to double-team DeAndre Hopkins when he comes back because it's a, it's a name thing. He, he's done it for years upon years. We haven't seen Hollywood Brown do it like that consistently. I think we'll see the full potential with the Kyler Murray, and we see what he does that made him a first-round pick. And, you know, I would say get the value on him right now because after you see it, it's going to be going, and he's going to cause way too much. And he's super young still. He's, yeah. he's way young. He's I forget. He is 25. So he has a good, solid, as a speedster, wide receiver he has a solid three four years of production left um with the Kyle, hopefully they sign Kyler murray um they sign him to a long-term deal match Kyler murray with the hollywood brown for the rest of their career uh, give, give me that right now yeah i think you've absolutely nailed that pick you've it's like you've read my mind actually on that like every, every, all your points were just bang on uh, one of my favorite wildcard sections we've had this year um only thing i'd add is uh Lamar Jackson was sort of middle of the pack on the deep ball. Kyler Murray is right up at the top, top five in deep ball. I'm not mm-hmm. saying a little brown is just a deep ball guy, but if he's hitting a, just a couple of those big plays per season, four or five long touchdowns, that's going to pull him up into almost wide receiver one uh, range. And the, the passing of the torch, that's exactly how I see it as well. Yep. Yeah, and that, before you say anything, Matt, the, yep. um, Christian Kirk had 994 yards, something like that. I would say Hollywood Brown's better than Christian Kirk. So when, when, if you just match, if you you know just switch those players, Hollywood Brown can have an easy twelve hundred yard season, in my opinion. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think that like puts said, you definitely in a wide receiver one type situation. Yeah, like you say, with with Hopkins not being there as well to start the year, I feel like like Brown can make a, a real hot start to the season, and then you can probably keep hold of that that number one option in in this offense, as you say with. Hopkins getting up there in age, no more Mark Andrews to compete with. So, yeah, absolutely love this selection. And I wouldn't be shocked at all to see his value take a, a real big jump um, over this next year. So, absolutely love it. And with that, that brings us to the end of the show where we've discussed Phil's undervalued and overvalued players in Dynasty. So, Phil, before we do let you get off, is, is there anything, do you want to let people know where they can find you, anything that you, you might be working on at the minute? All right. So, you can find me on uh, Twitter at FFPorkman. Um, you can also find me on the Dynasty Rewind. Um, there's content coming out every single day. Um, it's just, you come look on your phone. I think it's 8 o'clock in the morning. It's going to pop up. All you got to do is like <laughs> and subscribe on there. You'll see Bob's wonderful face and, and Mike and Chev and Nate and Dan. And Dan does uh, best ball. Um, you can also, we also have a Patreon. Um, as the Patreon.com forward slash Dynasty uh, Rewind. We have um a discord on there discord chat talk about anything you want to just i think it's like one dollar for the chat and it's like five dollars for all of our rankings so you can jump on there with that Um, we're pretty really really engaging we got people everywhere engaging and people from africa uk australia it's it's a really cool thing that that i really love interacting with people because um us the dice rewind see everything as family oriented there's no dumb questions And we're not going to give you a dumb answer because, you know, some people are still trying to understand what fantasy is still about all around the world. And that's, that's something that we love to, you know, to break it down and spam Mike's uh, DMs. He loves that. <laughs> he, he doesn't love that. But, <clears throat> but Mike, Mike, Mike is a great guy and um, he's, he's the founder of the Dynasty Rewind and he's, he's freaking awesome. So, yeah. um, you know, just just join us on this this long path that we have season starts in september 
preseason. We get to look at all that stuff, and we're going to have all the content that you need out there. And definitely listen to the fancy wild card. Very <laughs> <laughs> appreciate, and, and as I say, thanks for coming on. For it's been it's been great talking to you, and we appreciate you, you giving us this time. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.